Hey, it's Brian, back with a bonus episode and a little check-in and update on the rest of this season's programming. We're just over a week into the official Christmas season, and I'll be back in just a couple of days with an all-new backstory to one of your favorite Christmas traditions. But today, we're taking a little break from the action, as I like to do whenever I have something special to share with you. But before we get into it, let me remind you that I would love to send you a handwritten Christmas card and an official Christmas Past sticker. All you need to do is rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and then reach out to me with your mailing address. Contact me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. That email address is also where you can send a Christmas memory. If you've been listening to the season so far, you know that I pre-recorded a bunch of episodes over the summer because I knew that I'd have a newborn in the house right about now. So that means that I'll be publishing several episodes this season dedicated just to you and your Christmas memories. Normally I put out one of those episodes a year, but this season there will be at least three, possibly more. Because even though it's still early in the season, I've gotten so many memories from the Christmas Past family, and that's exactly what I was hoping would happen, and will continue to happen. This year, more than any in recent memory, we need your Christmas spirit. So be on the lookout for the first All Memories episode sometime next week. And if you want to share one of your own, just record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Just keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Now, today's episode deals with a topic that's near and dear to Christmas past, and that's writing letters to Santa. Back in 2016, I did an episode about the history of this tradition, and just last year I released a six-part miniseries called My Dear Santa, A True Crime Christmas Caper. Not only is that the first ever Christmas true crime podcast series, but it's also the crazy story of a man named John Gluck who turned Santa letters into his ticket to fame and fortune. If you're new to Christmas Past, go check those episodes out. I put links to everything in the show notes. Well, Santa and children's letters and the U.S. Postal Service is the topic of a new documentary called Dear Santa. I had a chance recently to interview the director and fellow Bay Area resident Dana Nachman. I'll come back at the end to wrap up and say goodbye, but for now, let's listen in. Well, this time of year, some of the busiest people around happen to work for the U.S. Postal Service. Maybe you or someone you know has written a letter to Santa Claus recently. And did you know, however, that for about the last hundred years, the Postal Service has been working to get those letters answered? It's a program called Operation Santa, and it is the subject of a new documentary called Dear Santa. I'm very happy to welcome the director of that, Dana Nachman, to Christmas Past. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you know, um, this is something that I discovered myself for doing Christmas Past. I didn't know this program existed till about 2016. And I have a feeling that a lot of other people are surprised to find out that something like this exists, too. Could you just quickly explain what is Operation Santa? Sure, yeah. Um, So it's a 107-year-old program that the United States Postal Service has had um, where they... um, All the hundreds of thousands of letters that come into Santa get dealt with. Um, They have... They have elves that work in the United States Postal Service and also have um, let adopter elves apply to become elves. Um, And people can help Santa fulfill the letters. I didn't know about it either until uh, about eight years ago. Yeah, and like I said, I've covered it in a couple of different ways on Christmas past, and there's a lot of uh, good Christmas history involved there, a lot of postal uh, service history, which is really fascinating, by the way. Uh, They actually had to change the laws so that a letter that's addressed to one person, uh, namely Santa Claus, could be delivered to other people. Uh, What attracted you to this project? Like, What was it that made you want to do this? 
so there was a book that came out um, that the USPS put out on the hundred year anniversary that were sold at post offices. My mom happened to pick it up. That's how I learned about it. She gave it to me. It was a picture book that you could read to kids. So I read it to my kids and I thought, Oh my God, I just like, you know, when you read one of the letters, it's just obvious how poignant it is, how emotional it is. And I thought, Oh, this is a great book, but it would be even a better film. Mm -hmm. So I always had it in my mind that that would be an amazing film, you know, story to tell. Um, And every year I would think about it around Christmas time. And I thought, Oh, the USPS is so busy right now. I can't, reach out to them. And then finally, um, in 2018, I reached out and said, this is who I am. This is the work I've done in this, you know, in the family space. Um, I'd love to be considered to do a a film on this and, um, feel free to reach out to me after you've rested in March, but, and they got back to me right away. Um, and they thought it was also a great idea and that's how it all started. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned some of the letters, um, and some of the, the letters that appear in the film are things you'd kind of expect to hear from kids. You know, they want a doll. They want, one kid wanted to ride in a limo. Um, but then there's always those really heartstring tugging letters. Like there is the man, I believe his name is Damien. We meet him as an adult. But when he was a, a, a boy, all he wanted was an alarm clock. Uh, and the reason he wanted it was because he didn't want to burden his, his single mother with having to wake him up. Uh, what are some of the other examples? Like, like what are some of your favorite stories from the film that are, are like that? Yeah, I mean, so I set out in the film to to really showcase the the wide spectrum. I didn't want the film to be only about, I mean, you could have made 10 films, one all about pets, for instance, kids who wanted puppies, you know, or cats. And you could have, you could have made one about um, need, you know. But the thing that really struck me, uh, and we only touched on it once in the film, was the amount of kids who asked for um, mattresses. Uh, and when I read the first one, I thought, you know, to myself, wow, that's really something. But when I read the 20th or 30th letter where people asked for mattresses, that really just struck me. And, you know, to think of children that, you know, where are they sleeping exactly? And of course, we know intellectually that there are homeless people, there are homeless children in America. But to see that that is the one thing that a kid might ask for on Christmas just really got me. And, and that, that's, I think, the most poignant thing that I can think of. But all of it was so poignant. I think another thing that surprised me um, about reading some of the letters, seeing some of the letters read is uh, children's capacity for generosity around Christmas time. You know, it's usually gimme, gimme, gimme. I want this and that. But there are other like, oh, I want something like this for my mom or for my sister or just for my family. Um, There's a lot that surprises you about just sort of how kids see Christmas, how people see Christmas uh, in in this movie and and well beyond. So um, we meet a lot of different people. Uh, each of them has their own story. There's one woman, I'm forgetting her name. She's the postal worker who has a, like a pixie haircut who carries oh, around the monkey doll. Um, and she's had a very interesting story because what, want, what made her want to become involved was that her house burned down, right? She actually did this way before her house oh, burned yeah. down, which was interesting. Like she, I think she's a really fun, and actually I'm really glad you pointed her out because you know, I think what you said is right, that most people think about Christmas and think a lot about the commercialism of it and the the wants and the gimme, gimme, gimme's. But it's funny, like we were 100% immersed in this for five straight weeks. It was all we thought about. We lived and breathed this while we were shooting. And it was very little of that. It was so funny. Like, you know, the letters, n- almost none of them have like seem greedy. They all have elements of, you know, more so of this like, hopeful magic of childhood creative using your imagination like it's all those things that were really the currents of this and i think jamie 
is an amazing story in that because she even said, like, I can be an adult all day long, but I really don't want to. I want to be a kid. And I think that's what hits this nail on the head more than anything is that what Christmas does for a lot of people is it it opens this this world and gives you the permission to be whimsical, to be magical, to be in your imagination and your creative side, rather than being where we, where we usually have to to live which is our practical and our you know and all the mm-hmm. bad adult stuff we have to do and so I, I think that that's really what I experienced with um going around the world for this this film or the country for this film mm-hmm. and um and and the amount of people in this film including myself I'm Jewish and I don't celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. even though I love Christmas you know the amount of people in this film who don't even celebrate um but want to be a part of the what it, what Christmas represents mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's that's what I saw most mostly and what, what we also see is all the different people participating as givers uh, for lots of different reasons, right? We meet iron workers. We meet these, uh, I think it's a sibling groups that's just been doing this for forever and ever. We meet individual people. We meet companies that sponsor it. Um, a lot of people want to get involved in this for lots of different reasons. And I think the one common thread is like, there's no wrong reason for getting involved in a program like this. You're helping getting letters to uh, Santa Claus answered. And, you know, most often or more often than not, rather, um, these are for people who are in need. Right. Like, again, we meet the kid who wants to go on a limo ride. We meet, you know, like uh, the, the, the kinds of things you'd expect to see. But there's kind of a charitable aspect to all of this more than anything else. Would you agree with that? For sure. And I think one of the cool things about this program, too, is that as once you apply to be an elf, you can read all the letters. So you can do whatever resonates with you. Like the ones I did last year, actually, to be honest, I did them and then I didn't have time. So I had to have my mom finish them for me. But like the ones we chose were like a kid who wanted a train set and a kid who wanted a Barbie. And like they were the more typical things. But I think it it really doesn't matter. You could take whatever resonates with you as an elf. Um, And and I think that that's the beauty of it. Like, if you feel like that mattress is really, you know, request is really speaking to you, go for that. If you like the the thought of a kid opening a train set and see, you know, because there's something that resonated with you as a child of trains, like, that's okay, too. And so I think that all of it is about touching your heart about what ignites the spirit in you, but also what... Um, you know, just whichever way you want to want to go with it. And I love that about this program. It's not a one size fits all. Did you have a favorite character or a story thread from the film? Oh, no, don't ask me that. <laughs> um, I don't know if I had a favorite. I'm trying to think about, I mean, I loved so many of them. No, I, I love them all the same. I mean, I had one story that couldn't make the film, which I loved so much, um, which was a little boy in the Bronx who asked for a violin and a violin book and maybe a lesson of to learn how to play the violin. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved that. And I thought it would be so amazing for the film. Mom did write me and say she was interested, but she was the foster mom. And um, then I had to get permission by the foster care um, agency that he could be on camera. And in the end, they wouldn't allow it. Um, but he did get the violin and did get his, you know, he, it was adopted. So the thought of that and just like these sweet sounds of the violin um, coming out of this kid, you know, who had been through a lot really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. So I know that uh, only a couple of cities now do a live version of Operation Santa. Oftentimes, um, most other times you do it online. Um, but in the, in the movie, we actually see people going down to a building where the letters are laid out. And there's sort of like this party atmosphere with the elves and people sort of sifting through the letters and picking one that they want. Um, 
And, you know, you see people picking letters that resonate with them, like you mentioned, for different reasons. There's a church group who sees letters asking for Bibles, and they're like, hey, that's our wheelhouse. We'll get right on that. Uh, and then, yeah, other people are just sort of picking ones that, that just kind of feel right to them. Um, so if anyone is interested in participating in Operation Santa this year, they can go on the USPS website, I imagine. Yeah, it's um, USPSOperationSanta.com. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about this is, like you said, in the film, we see New York and Chicago that had these really big operations where people come in. But this year, because of COVID, that's not able to happen. But they were already so... Um, kind of like perfectly set up for everything to be online that that any letter that goes to Santa this year will be online and ready for elves to adopt. Mm -hmm. So it's great timing. Like they already had that set. So that's yeah. really good. And we also see that big operation of letters being scanned at the, the North Pole and, and all of that. It's it's a pretty sophisticated operation. And it's one that, that I'm surprised um, it really isn't better known. So I'm hoping that the film Dear Santa helps to break that barrier. Where can people see uh, Dear Santa? Um, so most places um, where theaters are, are open, um, it'll be playing, but for most of us, and it's probably safer <laughs> to stay home and you can watch it on Amazon, um, iTunes, anywhere you would rent or buy a movie, it will be there. Dear Santa. Okay. The movie is Dear Santa. Dana Nachman, thank you so much for joining me on Christmas Past. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Okay. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I sure do hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned something new and got something out of it. And I hope you'll check out Dear Santa. Again, you can find that streaming on Amazon, iTunes, or anywhere else you might find movies. And I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode. Now, I hope that even with all of the restrictions we're facing this year, that your Christmas season is off to a wonderful start in whatever form that's going to take this year. Again, I'll be back in just a couple days with another backstory to one of your favorite Christmas traditions. Until we meet again, let me remind you as always that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. You can get in touch anytime, and I sure wish you would, because I love hearing from you, and I love hearing about how your Christmas season is going, what your plans are, what your favorite traditions are, and all of that. I'm easy to get a hold of. You can email me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com, or connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you haven't yet joined the private Christmas Past Facebook group, now's a great time to do it, because we're celebrating all season long and well beyond. And hey, if you're feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? Telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts are quick and painless ways to show your support. They don't cost anything, and they really do make a big difference. It's like spreading Christmas cheer. And if you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll even send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. And if you're looking for something new to add to your Christmas podcast playlist, check out the definitive directory of Christmas podcasts. It's Christmas Past's listing of over 175 Christmas podcasts arranged into 12 different categories. It is by far the most complete, comprehensive, and best organized list of Christmas podcasts you'll find anywhere else. I guarantee you that. Come on over to christmaspast.media to check it out or just Google the definitive directory of Christmas podcasts. Until we meet again, stay safe and healthy, look out for one another, and may your days be merry and bright.